Welcome to Narukai Uzumaki, our sincere attempt to contend with and unravel one of modern anime's most controversial genres. I'm Gwen. I'm Ruby. Hi. 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 Oh my god, it's so nice to be here. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're back. We're back. It's another month. We watched another anime. Yeah. Which, which, which one did we watch Oh, did you forget Gwen? This, this, this bears poorly for the podcast. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I've just been so busy uh, with my isekai harem. Oh, uh huh. Is that like an is that like an addition to like the the girlfriends you have that I know? <laughs> I guess. Oh, that's. You must be really busy. Oh my god! I hope. Uh, I mean. I hope that's not too much. No, I'm kidding. It was Bookworm! It was Bookworm! Hey, everybody knows Bookworm, right? Yeah, Ascendance of a Bookworm? Ascendance of a Bookworm. We watched the first season of Ascendance of Bookworm, which is 14 episodes that adapt the three volumes of the novel that are the uh, Daughter of a Soldier arc. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, I had a pretty good time. Yeah. Not to, uh, not to spoil... Not to spoil it too much, but yeah, like... Yeah, not, not to spoil the whole podcast, but like, yeah, it's a pretty good one. I like watching it. It's a pretty good one. Yeah, I mean, I guess it doesn't spoil anything really. Like, hey, yeah, this, this is pretty good, and then we're going to talk about it, right? Yeah. I mean, like, people know that I like Naruto from, like, the first episode of that podcast, and they still listen to that, so, like, this is just that on a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, had you seen this before? I had seen this before. I watched this, um... I watched this back when it was airing the first time, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was it was one of those things where, like, I picked it up and I had a good time with it, but, like, I wasn't really watching it that closely. It was just, like, sometimes you watch a lot of stuff during a season of anime as it's airing, and, like, you know, I, I had I had pleasant memories of it, and I was, like, excited to go back to this and, like, give it a little bit more of a closer watch. How about you? Uh, yeah, same. It was the fall of 2019, and I watched four or five episodes of it and then forgot to continue. Okay, so more of this is new to you than it is to me. Yes. Because I've also seen, like, the second season of this and, like, half of the third season, and then I got distracted. Mm-hmm. So I, I got, like, way further in before the same shit happened to me and, like, started rewatching the first season not long after that because I think that third season just finished airing, like, a few weeks ago. Yeah. So, uh, what the hell is this show? What the hell is this show? Okay, so... Are you asking in terms of the premise, or are you asking in terms of, like, hey, you know, where, where did this come from? Who worked on this shit? Which of these questions do you want the answer to? Because I could, I could give both of those answers to you, but, like, you know. <laughs> Let's do both at the same time. That's a bad idea, Gwen. Try again. <laughs> Let's make it real confusing. No! <laughs> uh, let's do just, like, the general premise of the show, and then we can get into it, right? Okay, yeah, so Sons of a Bookworm is about a girl who, like, really loves books... And then she dies, and then she gets reincarnated in the body of, like, an extremely sickly girl in a fantasy world. It's like a child of a poor family that has no access to books at all. And she's gotta, she's gotta figure out some way to, like, remedy that situation. And a lot of stuff happens from there. Okay, now we can talk about who made it. So, Ascendance of the Bookworm is an adaptation of a light novel series written by Miyakazuki, which was originally published on the website Shosetsuka Ninaro. So we're, like, kind of making good on our title of this podcast for the first time. Um... I feel like it winds up being a little bit outside of a lot of the usual uh, trends, like down to like, you know, who wrote it. Uh, Miyakazuki 
is uh, she's a writer who like you know she she she's talked about like you know dabbling and like doing some writing when she was like in high school and stuff, but then uh, sort of fell off as she like graduated college and worked and then like picked it back up around like after her her, chi- her first child was born and started kindergarten and she had more free time on her hands and like got back into writing then alongside of like doing a bunch of like research or work on like issues surrounding libraries in Japan, which like puts her in a slightly different position than a lot of the like younger authors who are like just going on a naro and being like, okay, I'm going to write something that's kind of like what's popular here. And it's not like, you know, this is completely outside of those trends. This is still an isekai story, but like, I, I think you can kind of tell from the work that like, this is coming from like a little bit different of a place. Totally. I did some cross research into the staff adaptation. Um, it is directed by Mitsuru Hongo, who is, uh, he's got like a pretty long history working as a director has worked on a lot of uh, kids anime. He was like the first director of Grand Shin-chan. He's worked on a bunch of other stuff. You know, some of it, like, like not just kids anime. Like he also directed like Outlaw Star and the like. So it, it's like a, a fairly wide ranging and long running career. And uh, I was, I was done this. Um, uh, and then like, there are two character designers. Uh, one is Yoshiaki Yanagida, who I cannot really speak to in any like real capacity. The other one is like kind of funny to bring up is, which is a uh, Toshi Hizakaya, who is somebody we talked about a bit on the main podcast as like, a person who made some pretty good-looking scenes of Naruto that we liked. Yeah. Uh, so that's like kind of a, a fun crossover there. It is. Everything comes full circle. It's all connected. It's like a it's like an industry that only has so many people working at it or something. <laughs> it's very similar to that, yeah. Uncannily so. So like, broad strokes, what this story is about is like, we mentioned like the woman who dies and gets reincarnated into like the sickly girl, right? And what's really interesting about this is, like, the early part's kind of, like, episodic nature of, like, oh, she's, like, trying to figure out how to, like, home make some kind of, like, ancient technology, like, literacy thing, right? She goes through, like, papyrus and, like, clay tablets and stuff, and then eventually her and her neighbor boy, like, start working together to, like, produce stuff, and they get a little bit of, like, attention from, like, some richer people, and it culminates in, uh... I don't know, like, th- th- things starting to work out pretty well for her, right? Yeah, like, there's there's definitely, like, an upturn at various parts in the season. Yeah. It's got kind of up and down for her, but, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and I think it is, like, an interesting isekai in that it is, to an extent, still a power fantasy? Yeah, right? Like, there's a clear fantasy that is being presented, like, in a lot of different ways, right? Um, but I, I definitely think it comes across, like, differently in um, some, like, easily those we'll get into also. Yeah. There are large parts of, like, the fantasy presented in the show that, like, are, in addition to being like, hey, you know, you can be good at the things you want to do and, like, succeed in business, there's also stuff like, and you can have a family that, like, supports you in spite of the ways that in which you're disabled. Yeah. All, all, all kinds of, like, beautiful things to imagine. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess we should just go ahead and, like, dive into the nitty-gritty, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm good for that. Okay. So, like, the, like, first few episodes are just, like, uh... Mine, the main character, like, realizing that she has been, like, reborn, or not not reborn necessarily, but, like, possessed the body of this, like, small sickly girl. Yeah, it's, like, very deliberate on this point of, like, oh, she's not just, like, being reborn and starting a new life. She is just kind of, like, suddenly inhabiting the body of this girl who, like, her first memories in this new body are, like, the girl who originally possessed the body just kind of dying and, like, fading away forever. And she just has to live with that. Yeah. Something I wanted to touch on, right, is, uh... Um, in the anime, we don't get, like, the most in-depth sense of, uh, like, what what her life was like before. And, like, we get a little bit more of that in the novels, which I, like, read some of the stuff that was adapted. I, like, wind up, wound up not having time to get through all of them. I'll probably go back and do that at some other point. But, like, you know, I, I did enough to get, like, at least some groundwork in, like, the ways in which, like, stuff is a little bit different. The, the, the picture we get of her is, uh, 
there's a few more details in the the novels that are like yeah i mean she's like a college graduate she's like about to start working her dream job at a university library so there's a very real sense in which you know rather than being kind of like a fucking nobody or whatever she is a person who is kind of living her ideal life before she dies and gets isekai yeah and then is, is very suddenly not doing that because she is like you know a, a very a very ill girl who lives with like a poor medieval family who has no access to books at all i, I also want to talk briefly about like um when it's talking about what her life was like before she uh before she died there's like there's this handful of like really striking shots with um they're all like like you know like in these like 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 dark black silhouettes with like uh with just like colors peeking through um you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah um I think these are, like, very evocative. Like, they, they immediately give, like, this great aesthetic sense to the show. And I also think there's, like, a fun connection here. Um, these were made by Motokaji Kama. If you remember last episode of this podcast, I talked a lot about Takahiro Shikama. Um, Motokaji Kama and Takahiro Shikama are, like, together they are, like, a independent animation contracting studio called Studio Bulldog. And also they're, like, a husband and wife duo. And uh, Takahiro Shikama works, like, a little bit on this show, but, like, in a much more understated role. Like, he, like, does some key animation on, like an episode that Motoko storyboards later on. But I, again, I think that's, like, another fun connection that, like, wound up popping up that I wasn't really expecting. Yeah. But anyway, back to, back to like, what mine is actually like in uh, in this uh, in this fantasy world. So, so these first couple episodes are basically just mine being, like, very uncomfortable. Yeah, she's kind of, like, miserable with the whole situation. And, like, in some ways, this is even something that the show, like, plays down a little bit. But, like, it, it is definitely, like, a, a very, like, harsh adjustment period for her. Yeah. Because there's a sense of, like, oh, yeah, like, all of her, like, understandings of, like, you know, what social customs are just don't apply. All of her, like, basic standard of living that she's, like, used to just isn't really here. Um, you know, she, like, needs to convince her family to, like, let her bathe. And they get kind of, like, confused by, like, how much she's, like, trying to clean up the place. Because it's just, you know, these are people who are living lives that don't necessarily, like, afford them the time to focus on that sort of thing. Yeah. And she ends up being kind of outside of that, like, immediate, like, yeah, we all need to, like, be doing everything we can just to, like, sustain ourselves. Because, again, she is, like, a very, very frail, very sick girl who, like, spends, has spent, like, most of her time bedridden. So there isn't really, like, an expectation that she, like, needs to be helping in that same way. So th- th- there's a sense from which she kind of, like, kind of, like, gets to get away with, like, pursuing her own, like, old standard of living in a way that she, like, wouldn't necessarily be able to. If, if she was, like, more, um, you know, like, healthy, I guess. Yeah, because she would just be expected to do, like, necessary housework. And, like, one of the first little, like, uh, instances of mine creating something that, like, revolutionizes the living situation of the people around her is when she uh, makes, like, a like a shampoo out of oil that they, found, that, they, that they extract out of these, like, fantasy fruits, right? Mm-hmm. Right? And so, like, that is where, like, a lot of this show ends up, like taking shape is where mine just like creates something and then suddenly that is something that like her, her immediate family can like immediately benefit from yeah i think this winds up being like a pretty interesting point of the show because it is not uncommon in east sky stories for like you to have your east sky protagonist who comes in and like knows about a bunch of shit you know like everybody jokes about how like all the east sky protagonists come in and like explain how to make mayonnaise or whatever yeah and like this is not not that show but I think it, like, I think it succeeds that is that I think it grounds a lot of the stuff that, like, mine knows how to do in, like, a very specific way, right? Like, she's a person who has a very, like, clear set of interest, and she was, like, dragged into a bunch of, like, specific things that, like, her mom wanted to do. So she has, like, all of these, like, kind of vague, like, craftsy knowledge things that, like, you know, obviously have their applications, but aren't, like, 
I'm going to explain how crop rotation works or whatever. I'm going to go and revolutionize your whole society overnight because I know, like, the, the things to make everything better immediately. Yeah, no, she just knows how to make, like, Pinterest Etsy shit. Yeah, it is extremely that. <laughs> like, she can make, like, nice candles or whatever. Yeah. And, like, she, she like, kind of knows about, like, books, but, like, uh, and this is getting ahead of herself a little bit, but, like, there's all sorts of times where, like, when she's trying to, like, pa- make papyrus or whatever, she, like, doesn't actually know how it's done. She just has, like, the vague idea of, like, yeah, they made papyrus out of plants, right? So I'm going to, like, try and stitch that together, but she doesn't have any, like, information of the actual process. Like, it, it is a show that is just as willing to, like, let her, like, clear lack of knowledge about stuff from her her, uh, her own world and, like, the world that she wound up in get in the way of her own goals. As it is, like, a show about, like, her using the knowledge she has to, like, advance her own station in life. Yeah, because you know what, like, we're just getting a little ahead of ourselves, but her process for making paper overcomplicates the shit out of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about that when we get there. I'm excited to, get, I'm excited to hear about that, because I didn't really, like, pick up on this, really. I don't know much about making paper. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so, so she makes, like, she makes this homemade shampoo, and then her mom and her sister are like, oh my god, your hair. You know, like, show, show us how you did that. Oh my god, your hair, it has, like, a gradient in it. <laughs> Yeah, we had like a, we had like a shiny gradient in it. It's so good. I think that the show like generally looks like pretty solid, right? Like the character designs are fairly appealing. I feel like the digital gradients often kind of wind up looking like a like the like the digital gradients on the hair often wind up looking like a little worse than the characters who have like ostensibly dirty hair yeah. in a way that's kind of funny. <laughs> they they like Minecraft enchanted their head. <laughs> Okay, so, like, she tries to make papyrus, and that doesn't work, so she makes a basket instead, and everyone's impressed with her fancy basket. Mm-hmm. She doesn't like basket weaving from, like, when her mother dragged her all to, like, a fucking basket weaving class back in Japan. Yeah, it's so good. But she, like, kind of resents that she knows it, but she's like, well, like, I guess this is, like, useful in some way. <laughs> and, and, like, ba- ba- basically, that is little stuff like that. The, the, the next, like, main thing that happens is uh, she, like sees that her dad brings home like a, like an animal skin like parchment scroll sometimes and so now she's on operation get fucking parchment right mm-hmm. but parchment's really expensive because you know it, it takes dead animals it takes dead animals yeah this is nothing like about the show right um I, I feel like a lot of times when like you're reading like an isekai story and it's like about like, like it's one of the isekai stories but like oh shit a person is going to have like a difficult isekai life um you know it, it winds up presenting those like causes in like very like gamey ways and like that can be fun in its own right like it could be fun to have a story about like somebody who is like oh shit i'm a spider in a hell labyrinth for example or like you know there's there's all sorts of stories about like somebody who has like an ostensibly shitty ability that they have to figure out how to use well and like so much of the obstacles that mine faces in her own endeavors are like i mean first there's the whole like matter of her physical health and like you know the ways in which uh like, you know, she, she, like, can't exert herself too much or else she's, like, wind up bedridden for days at a time. Mm-hmm. On a much broader scale, there's, like, you know, the fact that she is very constrained by the fact that her family is poor, right? Like, there's a very strong undercurrent of class throughout the whole show. Yeah, there is. And uh, eventually she convinces her dad to bring her to work with him so that his buddy can teach her how to read and write, right? Right, like, she shows up at the gate with him one day, and then, like, she shows his dad's, like, work buddy, like, she knows how to, like, you know, identify numbers and, like, do math in her head, and he's like, oh, shit, that's, like, really convenient for me, I'm, like, kind of bad at this, 
I want this kid to help me out with my job. Uh, I fuck, I, I kind of love this guy. Uh, her dad has a girlfriend named Otto. Yeah. He's like this ridiculous wife guy. <laughs> He's so good. He's like just kind of a cartoon man all the time. There's like this <laughs> this great scene later where like Mayan is like giving some shampoo to his wife in exchange for like something she needs for like part of her paper making process. And like he like looks at his wife whose hair is like actually like clean. And he's like, "Mine, I need you to leave immediately. I have to fuck my wife now." <laughs> <laughs> just just like a ridiculous man. It's he's kind of amazing. He's so good. So like she's learning from Otto, and she's like she she's trying more shit to like make writing medium herself right she she tries the papyrus that doesn't work uh she goes for like clay tablets at one point right mm-hmm. which like fails to work in like several different ways yeah one time some like kids stomp on them and she uh and she like accidentally act, like activates her like magic because she's like so mad at them and like she doesn't know this is happening and like it, it's not really explained exactly what's happening at this point mm-hmm. um and, like one time she like leaves them out to dry and like it rains and they all get destroyed and then, like, finally she, like, takes them home to fire and they just, like, explode in the oven because she doesn't really know how to, like, actually, like, prepare clay to be fired. Yeah. Like, there, there are so many times where, like, she's just kind of like, yeah, I'm sure I can do this thing that, like, people did back in the past because, like, how fucking hard could it be? Uh, like, it turns out it requires specialized skills basically every time. Yep. Before we get too much about I just kind of want to talk about, like, mine as a character generally because, you know, the, the last show we watched, the, the main character of it wasn't really a character. Right. And that's, like, fortunately not a problem here. I, I really like mine. I really like uh, her, like, particular mixture of, like, confidence and, like, superiority and also being, like, a complete dumbass who, like, doesn't know nearly as much because she's, like, lived a life that, like, allowed her to develop a very specialized set of, like, skills that is only so applicable to her current life. I like how deeply melancholy a lot of the stuff is. I think the show is, like, very willing to uh, just sort of, like, have the specter of death loom over her at several points throughout it. Um, and, like, have her actually, like, contend with that and, like, try to see how she feels about that. And, like, often she is just not handling it very well in ways that are very believable. I, I, th- I think they do, like, a lot of really great work with this character. And, you know, I, I, it's nice to have, like, an Isekai protagonist that you're rooting for, right? Yeah, totally. And, like, also as, like, the show goes on, like, you can really see, like, a level of, like, growth where she, like, actually cares about the people around her. Yeah, for sure. And, like, you know, it's just nice. It's refreshing after um, the last one. Yeah, I mean, like, it feels weird to be talking about this so extensively because I feel like we haven't really watched, like, a normal isekai show for this podcast yet. Right. But, like, you know, I think mine is, like, the upper tier of isekai protagonists, for sure. Absolutely. So, like, speaking speaking of characters, we got to introduce the boy. Yeah, the boy. The, the boy I didn't remember that well from, like, the time I initially watched the show. Like, I wasn't sure how much he was just kind of, like, the boy who has to, like, be orbiting around her. But I, like, really, really liked him this time. Yeah. There's, like... There's, like, two main conflicts with Lutz, and, like, uh, Lutz is the name of the boy, right? And, mm-hmm. um, the first one, which is, like, one I like a little bit less, is there's an extent to which, like, he wants to become, like, a merchant, and, like, his family are, like, opposed to that for a variety of reasons, and there is definitely, like, a kind of thorny class thing where it's, like, oh, his, his family doesn't want him to be, like, a merchant because, like, you know, the merchant class kind of exploits workers to some extent. Yeah. And they, uh, you know, they want him to be, like, a craftsman because, like, that's what the family is and they feel, like, kind of betrayed by him, which is, like, an understandable thing. And, like, there are, like, ways that that's grounded in his character. But, like, you know, it's still, like, kind of awkward whenever it comes up. But, like, the thing I like much more about him is that Lutz is, like, 
you know, mine is like in the body of like a six-year-old or whatever. But you know, that, like that's not really who she is. And Lutz is a kid who is just kind of like dragged along into that. It like is just routinely like placed out of his depth and like needing to like confront all of this like complicated, sad shit that he has like no real, he had, like no real context for before. And I think it does a lot of really great work in that space. Like I think he brings a really great texture to the show. Yeah. Yeah, and so throughout all of, like, Mine's clay tablet and further attempts at shit, Lutz is the one doing, like, the actual work. Yeah, because, you know, Mine Mine can't do that for herself. Yeah. I guess this is, like, kind of a a point where I want to, like, circle back around to, like, something we talked about earlier. This is something I mentioned, like, earlier on in this episode, like, there's sort of the two fantasies of the show. Like, one is that, like, you know, yeah, yeah, you you can, like, do good at stuff, you can, like advanced in like a career there's like a fantasy of like class mobility and success that like you know that, that is trying to put you on and the, and the other is a sense of like yeah like mine is in a lot of ways like she reads as like a disabled person right she she can't do a lot of stuff people around her are able to she is like very limited in the way she can engage with the world by like her illness and uh you know her like you know, she, she's like fatigued very easily she is like has to like be constantly like worrying about uh making sure she doesn't like just like work herself into like the point of collapsing for days um and so much of like the rest of the fantasy of the show is, like, the idea that you could be surrounded by people who take that very seriously and are, like, very concerned about you and, like, are willing to help you pursue advancement, like, in your own personal life in a way that respects that, in a way that I find very appealing, right? Yeah. I think a lot of the way that, like, the other characters treat mine in the show are, it's, like, it's like genuinely very sweet. For sure. I mean, like, it's genuinely very sweet in, like, the early parts where they're, like, you know, humoring the girl with her little projects. But also, it's just, like, it's really nice how willing they are to just, like, immediately and, like, accept and, like, respect that this kid, like, knows what she's doing. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's... This is a process that winds up feeling, like, a little more hard won in the novels than in the anime. Like, the anime, like, winds up just trimming a lot of, like, little scenes. And, like, for the most part, I don't think this has, like, a broad tonal change but like in the early parts of the anime especially they like they trim down a lot of the scenes where like mine is like butting heads with her family and feeling kind of at odds with them right like they cut a lot of the stuff where they're like kind of like questioning her and what she's like trying to do and like kind of like trying to prevent her from wasting resources and stuff yeah but like you do still get like this really real sense of like you know once the people in her life are like listening to what she needs and like being willing to like support her in that like it feels like a very real victory for her in a way that's like it's exciting it is a it is, like, a uh, problem that she, like, manages to, like, overcome by, like, gaining the support of the people in her life that is, like, it's a wonderful thing to imagine. That part of the fantasy of the show is very easy to get kind of, like, swept up in for me. Even as I am sort of questioning, like, the way in which that, uh, the show, like, centers this very, like, traditional understanding of, like, what a family is, right? And, like, what, like, success is and, like, what paths to that are. There, there is still, like, a real, like, d- deeply sentimental and compassionate uh, undercurrent throughout it that, I like, manages to, like take some of the bite off of, like, kind of, like, vaguely conservative elements of, like, some of the the broader uh, structure of the show, right? Yeah. And so, like, pro- progressing with, like, the story a little bit, um, the, the, the next, like, main thing that mine tries to do is make, like, wood tablets. This is, like, the closest she comes to, like, actually kind of knowing what she's doing. Because, like, yeah, I mean, sure, you, you can make, like, flat pieces of wood to write on, like, less uh, intensively. That was, like, a more easily accessible, like, skill set, especially if you have somebody helping you carve wood than uh, the other stuff. Yeah. But that, then that goes badly because, like, her family's like, oh, you brought home firewood. We're, like, so proud of you for doing that. And they burn it, and she, like, just falls into, like, complete despair. <laughs> we're so proud of you for doing that. Look, we're going to burn yours first. <laughs> yeah. She's like, okay, well, <laughs> I guess I'll die. 
and just kind of like curls up in bed and nearly dies. Yeah, but she's okay. She, I mean, she's okay. She pulls through it because Lutz is like, hey, you promised to help me with some shit. And she's like, okay, you're right. I, sh- I should help you with some shit. And so like at this point, the person who is like, I think most like understanding of mine's potential right now is Otto. Otto is like an interesting case, right? Because he, he understands what she is capable of to an extent. But he also is, like, a person who is pretty limited in how far he wants that to go, right? Like, he wants his really helpful assistant that makes his job way easier and that he doesn't have to pay much, it kind of seems like. <laughs> yeah, he, he wants his math child. He wants his math child that, like, nobody else really understands the value of. There's definitely, like, an element of the show where, like, a lot of the people who wind up coming into Mayan's life to help her are also, like, kind of scummy capitalist guys. And, like, I still kind of love basically all of them. Yeah. But, like, you know, it's just sort of the space that the show is playing in. Mm-hmm. I also don't want to, like, discount how much, like, you know, Lutz is, like, genuinely interested in, like, supporting her at this point either, right? Like, there's, like, that... This is going back a little bit, but, like, there's a scene back when she's, like, trying to make play tablets. She's talking to Lutz in the woods about, like, what writing means to her. And she has this, like, very kind of, like, romanticized idea of, like, yeah, you know, it's about how... It's about, like, conserving, like, thoughts and information for the future. It's about, like, passing on information in ways that can't be, uh... Like, you know... The, the, the limits of, like, just being able to, like, station pass on that way, like, wouldn't allow for it's, you know, she has, like, this very grand and, like, again, like, enticing understanding of, like, what writing is and, like, you know, Lutz doesn't, like, immediately connect to that in that way because he's, like, a child from poor family who, like, basically isn't even expected to learn how to read. But he, you definitely get the sense, that, like, you know, he, he, like, sees that she has, like, has, like, you know, an ambition of some sort and he is, like, kind of compelled by that and, like, wants to, like, help her, like, wants to see if she can help him. There's, like, this kind of cute thing where he's, like, you know, he, he is, uh, he is both, like, becoming more and more invested in his well-being and also, like, trying to be very, like, try, trying to, like, repeatedly assert to himself that, like, he is doing this, like, very transactionally and for his own benefit. Yeah. He's like, yeah, she, she's going to, like, introduce me to, like, a merchant. Otto knows, and that's going to, like, help me advance my career. And she, I, I'm, I'm getting paid by her dad to, like, help her out. So, like, you know, this is this is really for me. But, like, you know, he, he's definitely, like, he, he cares in a way that I think is genuinely very sweet. Yeah. And so, like, okay, like, speaking of that merchant, I think we can, like, t- talk about him a little bit. So, mine makes, like, a, like, a, like, a fancy, um, like, like, a fancy, like, Pinterest-ass, like, woven, like, hairpin for her sister. Because the sister has, like, a coming-of-age, like, ceremony thing going on, right? That, like, every, every young kid goes through before they, like, can be, like, an apprentice or, like, go off and, like, do their own thing, right? Like, it's, it's when you're, like, registered as, like, a citizen, like, all kinds of stuff happens, right? Mm-hmm. And so she she makes this hairpin with like a with like a woven thread like flower on it, and then all the rich people in town are fucking talking about that hairpin. Yeah, because Terry's like, yeah, I don't, I don't really care about this. Like, you saw this shit on Instagram for like ten dollars. This is normal. And like every every rich person's like, I've never seen anything like this in my life. This is insane. What the hell is happening here? Yeah, and so like, Lutz and mine go to meet Otto. Otto brings along his like merchant buddy, right, Benno. Yeah, I, I want to talk about Benno. I want to talk about like the the like content of this meeting before I like move on to Benno a little bit because okay. I feel like I'm gonna have a bunch to say about Benno. Okay. But like, yeah. So like, the premise of the meeting is that like Lutz wants to be like a traveling merchant because he has this sort of like youthful, romantic ideal of like traveling around the world and going all over the place, right? Yeah. And so he he goes to this meeting and like immediately like Otto and Benno are just like, hey, 
you don't want to fucking do this. Just just stop it. <laughs> if you want to be a merchant, you set up shop somewhere. Like, everybody, everybody who, like, is a traveling merchant, like, their goal in life is to have what you get to have by turning seven. <laughs> it's like a bad life, actually. Yeah. Like, e- even if you're just a regular merchant, you get to go places sometimes, like, it'll be fine. Like, you know, I, I like this as, like, another scene that really clearly establishes, like, you know, like, how, how, like, heavily, like, stratified by class this world is, right? Like, how few things you can do that are not just, like, ultimately, like, you know, making money for somebody else. Which is, you know, not an alien concept to me, obviously. But, like, I think it is, it is one that the show uses for, like, dramatic effect pretty well. I like the way that, like, it, you know, it winds up, like, sort of having, like, Litz's, like, youthful fantasy sort of collide with the fact that, like, yeah, it's basically just all exploitation. Like, that's basically all there is. And, like, you know, you, ha- you have, like, a better route to being, like, one of the guys who is doing the exploiting, like, right here if you can make a good enough pitch to me. So, like, if maybe try that instead. Yeah. Yeah, so the uh, the, the merchant that uh, that Otto has brought, like, lives in mind to me is a guy named Benno. Benno fucking rocks. I love this dude. <laughs> This is a, you know, last month we were talking about Sword and Light, and I talked about how uh, fucking, what's his name, Oberon is, like, the least fun you can have listening to Takahiro Kayasu. Yeah. I don't know if this guy's, like, the most fun you can have, but he's, like, way higher on the power rankings. Like, this guy is, I just love this guy. He is, like, he is, like, both the, like, genuinely compassionate, like, mentor figure for, like, mine and Lutz, and he is also, like, this very, like, canny, kind of conniving, like, merchant guy who is trying to, like, turn every situation to his own benefit, right? D- during the situation where, like, anybody else would be, like, kind of suspicious about, like, how mine, like, knows all the stuff she, that, that she does, he is always the guy who's just like, yeah, I don't fucking care. You're gonna make me so much money. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> just keep fucking taking care of yourself and, like, it's good. I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be rich. Yeah, you, you know why I'm gonna make money off this and you're not? Because you're sitting there wondering why she knows this. I'm making money from it. <laughs> uh, he's, he's just great. Like, fuck it. Like, basically every scene with him, he's just doing some, like... Yeah. He, he's just been like very upfront about how he is like turning the situation to his advantage and like i don't know i i, I just th- i just think he's the delight he's pretty good he's pretty good he, he is very much like one of the main mentor figures for like the rest of the season and you know i'm like super happy for him to be there i think he does a lot for the show mm-hmm. i just want to add more to say about him before we got here because like I, so much of the time watching the show spent thinking about this guy but like you know I'm sure I'll think of more to say about Benno as we keep talking about this this show, throughout this episode. Yeah. So the whole thing with Benno, like to to start with, like the the thing that Mine and Lutz are doing right now is that like Mine has decided to like use Lutz's help to like make real like paper as paper, mm-hmm. uh, like like not from an animal skin, like from like you know plant fibers and stuff. Yeah. Like like how we have paper, and Benno agrees. That if they could get like a prototype to him, what what's the time frame? I don't remember the time frame off the top of my head. It's like before their baptism next spring, and I think it's like around the spring now, right? I, I remember it being like about a year. Yeah, like about a year. If they could get a prototype to him, then like done deal, right? Yeah, like he'll, he'll take him on as his apprentice, and like you know, they will probably be getting some some uh, preferential treatment because he has recognized that mine is a person who can make him a lot of money. Yeah, and so like they sign this contract, right? Or is that later? Mm-hmm. I, I think this is, like, around there, yeah, like, right? Yeah, they, they, they sign this contract, and they find out that it's, like, special magic ink mm-hmm. for, like, special, like, binding contracts. 
it, it is a contract that like if you break it you might die you know like the, the particulars of, like what exactly happens are like you know not super defined but like like at one point a little bit later there's like a risk of like something breaking the contract in some way and and Benner's like yeah you know like we could die if this goes bad so we gotta we gotta get this sorted out pretty quick yeah it, it is a fun narrative contrivance it also serves as like the very direct reveal of like hey magic exists in this show which is like you know again i i think i really like about this show as well as like how slowly it rolls out the like fantasy elements of the world yeah the the anime like kind of sequence breaks on this a little bit because it starts with like this framing sequence of like somebody using a magic item to like peer into mind's memories mm-hmm. but like from there you know there's just like no mention of it for a long time you know there, there's like you know sometimes mind starts glowing and gets like rainbow eyes right yeah and so obviously there's something gone with that but like the, you know the uh the, the extent to which, like, magic is, like, an established thing that people, like, use in, like, ways that affect and, like, shape society is something that you just don't get until, like, what is this, like, seven, eight episodes in? Because, like, you know, when you're, when you're, like, from a poor family, it just doesn't really affect you that much. And you don't really need to know about it. Yeah. So the kids go off to make some paper, I guess. Yeah. You had stuff you want to say about them making paper. Them making paper is, like, kind of the part of the show where it's like, yeah, I mean, like, this is, like... This is kind of where I'm like checked out a little bit. Like it, it is like I, I'm more interested in like the the, the drama and like the, the overall like you know like, like the, the the political and financial maneuverings of the show. But like you you said you there, there's something about like this paper making that stood out to you, right? So I I want to hear what's up with this. So the the way that they plan to make paper is to like small batch like process wood fiber to you know to like make the pulp and then strain it out and like make paper how you make paper, right? I'm not, I'm not like criticizing the show in this way. Right. I think that, like, you know, you know, a fucking normie's understanding of how paper is made, that's, like, what you would go for, right? You would go for wood fiber. Like, everyone knows the paper's made out of trees. But paper wasn't really made out of trees until, like, the Industrial Revolution when it became, like, way easier to, like, process, like, huge amounts of shit, like, en masse, right? Because, like, processing wood fibers into being in a state where, like, you know, they can make paper is, like, actually an extremely, like difficult process and you can actually make paper a lot easier with plants that like more readily have fibers like flax or cotton okay i don't even think this is necessarily something that like you know Miyakazaki was like unaware of i imagine right like so much of the reason that mine goes for this method is like she remembers going on like a field trip right where she saw like paper being made like this yeah no like extremely right like like it is not like mine just knows everything about like making paper because she likes books right like, she very much doesn't. She has, like, a very limited frame of reference that she is drawing from. And, uh, right. I, I totally didn't pick up on this. I, I love that, like, even when she is, like, doing something kind of right, she's also doing it kind of wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And But, like, it works out. You know, they, they, they get some, like, prototypes made eventually. Like, it works. Um, e- even if the best paper comes from, like, the monster tree that kills everything when it grows. But, like, that's fine. And then also, like, in this sequence is when we get the devouring reveal. Um, and it is basically an illness that manifests when children, like, have magic in them with no outlet. Yeah, right? Like, there, there's a bit where, like, mine is learning that magic is real. Where, uh, you know, uh, Benno says, like, yeah, only nobles have magic. Which is why you probably haven't heard much about it. Which is, like, true, but only on a technicality. Because, like, kids who aren't nobles can be born with magic. It usually just kills them. Yeah, it usually just kills them because they don't have anything to make the magic not be in their body anymore. And so it just builds up 
until they get fevers and die. Like the magic sort of like eats away at themselves and like leaves them an empty husk is basically what it seems like happens. Mm-hmm. Unless you have like a, a Japanese girl like reincarnate in your body. Yeah. Yeah, it's like another like really like kind of like sharp like way that the show is like sort of establishing like this class boundary because yeah, you know, like it, it makes a lot of sense that if the nobility could prevent anybody who wasn't them from being born with magic and surviving, that's just kind of uh, what they would do. Yep. And it does. It doesn't really seem like they have to put in any extra effort to make that happen. So it's just kind of win-win for them. Uh huh. It's great. <laughs> Woohoo! So you know, we, we we the audience have the sense that this is happening before mine really does. Yeah. And the meanwhile, Lutz is getting like increasingly suspicious of the fact that mine just knows how to do all of this business shit and like knows how to like make paper. And mine keeps doing suspicious shit, right? Like she when they're making paper, she's like, "Yeah, I, I did this before. So so that's why I know how to do it." Lutz is like, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> What do you mean you did this before? We had to like we had to spend like weeks going around and like ordering uh like the tools to make this shit be made for us with like money that neither of our families have. You did not do this before. <laughs> yeah, which like culminates in this like big confrontation where she basically just like lays it out like I fucking died and possessed this this girl, but like don't worry, I didn't mean to. Yeah, and I, I really love this scene because, like, it is one of those really great moments of Lutz just being, like, so out of his depth and be like, I, I figured it out. You're like, a, you're like an evil witch or somebody who, like, possessed my neighbor. And she's like, no, I, I didn't want to be here. And, like, because, like, mine is just kind of, like, sad and fucked up in ways she doesn't know how to express it. It's like, yeah, I mean, no, I, I'm really not happy here. Like, I will just die if that makes you happier. Like, I can do that for you. <laughs> yeah. Like- <laughs> That's, like, her immediate, like point of like reassurance and Lutz is like wait what the hell this is this doesn't sound good at all actually <laughs> they're just they, they, the kids are just a fucking mess <laughs> the kids are just a fucking mess they're so sad this is like one of my my favorite points of the show just because like it, it really it really delves into like that sense of melancholy that the show is like great at like this and like the the sort of stuff like like comes very shortly after it as like mine learns more about the devouring yeah uh do, do you want to get to that i don't think we have anything to talk about before then yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess like, I, I want to talk about, like, mine going to meet with, like, the Merchant's Guild and, like, meeting Frida, but I guess that's, like, basically, like, hand-in-hand hand with that. So, yeah, we, we can move ahead. We can go on and move ahead. Yeah, so mine goes to check out the Merchant's Guild, and uh, the Guildmaster there has a granddaughter that is about mine's age, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she is, like, a, like a, like a pretty, like, fun rich girl. Yeah, no, I, I really like Frida, um, yeah. the name of the rich girl, because, like, you know, she she also has the same, uh, like, magic disease that mine has that will, like, kill her if she, like, you know, if her, like, magic runs out of control, but, like, because she's, like, from a very rich family that has ties to the nobility, she's able to, like, keep it under control a little better. Yeah. And, but, like, so she she winds up being, like, very similar to mine, like, like right, because mine is, like, we talked about how mine, like, both because she has, like, the, the knowledge of, like, a 20-something Japanese girl... And also because, like, she lives in a situation where she isn't expected to contribute to, like, the housework in the same way as her family is because she can't. Like, she is able to, like, hone her particular, like, her own personal, like, set of skills and interests in a very, like, keen way. And, like, Frida is like that, too, except, like, rather than being interested in books, it's all about, like, becoming a business sicko. <laughs> yeah, she's so good. Like, like immediately before this scene, like, there's a bit where... uh Benno takes Lutz and Mine to, like, meet with the head of the Merchant's Guild, and he's, like, trying to, like, recruit Mine because, like, oh, shit, this kid can make somebody a lot of money. 
and then like and, and like Beto has to intervene and then like immediately after that uh you know when like Maya is going to talk to Frida Frida does like the exact same shit where she's like hey you can, like you get paid way better at my family store uh it's your better clients it's just, it's just a better deal for you like it doesn't matter how much you owe Beto because we can fucking pay it back for you yep in addition to this she like also has this like genuine friendship with mine so she is like both like trying to get close to her friend and trying to like steal the fucking like goose that's gonna lay infinite golden eggs from her own family's company's biggest rival yeah <laughs> which is just like a wonderful dynamic i think frida is great i love frida so much so frida's like baptism is coming up right mm-hmm. and so mine is gonna make her some of the like hair ornaments mm-hmm. and and like they like t- talk it out for a while they like negotiate like prices and stuff like my mind spends the whole time being like oh i can't i can't ask you to pay for pay that much for them like it's not that much work and like you're already providing the thread and she like talks her down into paying less and then benno gets like super pissed at her later for it. it's like how could you possibly take less of that girl's money her family is so fucking rich <laughs> yeah but but like it, it eventually and like ends up with them like being like yeah we should probably head out like mine is the sickly girl and then immediately frida's just like wait wait i'm a sickly girl too <laughs> Yeah, and that that is where that is where mine learns about the devouring. Yeah, like Frida like spells out like the deal with it is you know if you have if you have mana out of you it'll just like eat away at you. And, like there are like magic items you can get, but that are super hard to get. They're super expensive, and like the nobles only sell like the broken shitty ones for like exorbitant prices. Yep. But Frida gives mine the uh, advice that like it's okay as long as you just like focus and have stuff you want to do, you can uh, you, you can power through it and like survive, which is like this very you know, super individualistic, like, you know, you just gotta pull yourself by your bootstraps to survive the disease that's gonna kill you thing. Which, like, would be frustrating if it was at all true. <laughs> yeah, it's just not true. It's just not, like, you can get a little farther off of that, but it's just gonna fucking kill you eventually if you don't have, like, your rich grandpa buying, like, up all of the magic items in the city to help you survive. Yeah. Yeah, and so we, we learn about that, and then, like, al- almost immediately there's an instance where, like, Mine is going to die. Yeah, right? Like, like mine's like, okay, yeah, I, I just have to stay focused. I have to, like, keep working on what I need to do, right? And then, like, that gets her going for, like, about a week longer. Uh-huh. And then she, like, collapses on the floor and is about to die. Yeah. And so she is, like, emergency carried to Frida's place where, like, she she is, like, given one of these magic items that, like, shatters upon, like, her, like, touching it. And, like, that, like, apparently, like, buys her another year. Mm-hmm. There's like another great Frida moment where like it's revealed that like part of the reason that like Frida and her grandpa like gave mine this magic item is because they they were like hoping that it would be too expensive for mine to like pay them back for. Yeah. So that she could be like forced to work for them. And like we also learned like another like really great Beto moment. Like there's a scene earlier where like Beto is like paying her like an exorbitant amount of money for like information on how to make shampoo better. Mm-hmm. And like you, I was like, "Oh, okay." He was doing that because he wanted to have like mine enough money, like in case this happened, so that she wouldn't get stolen away. Yeah, like again, it, it is very charming. Like, and like a real feat on the show's part that like it manages to like have mine be like the center of all these like weird rich person bullshit like money chess. Like she's like a piece in the middle of that, and also like all of these people also care for her, and you can believe both of those things and have fun with both of them. Yeah, it's this show's pretty good, I think. <laughs> show's pretty good. Uh, there's there's like some real great Beto stuff in this start of the show. Also, I'm like just thinking about the scene where he's like, yeah, the parchment guild was like getting up in her business about making the like 
the tree paper. I like tried to find like a separate tree paper guild so we could just completely cut them out, but like did not let me do that. Which <laughs> is like an amazing like throwaway line. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just amazing to like reveal like that. But anyway, you know, after Mayan survives her like near like her, her near experience with death, um, Frida explains that like the options for like being, you know, a kid who has the devouring is like basically either that you die or like you contract yourself to some nobles and, like, are basically their slave for the rest of your life. Yeah. And, like, being basically their slave for the rest of the letter life is, like, a thing that you need connections to do. So it is just fucking rough out here if you if you get born like that. It is, uh... The, the show is, like, very stark about, like, how fucking bad this situation is. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, like mine has to, like, consider these options and, like, decides, like, Actually, I think I would rather die with my family. And so we get this, like, really, like, kind of, like, crushing and melancholy series of episodes of, like, mine going around, like, telling the people that she, like, knows and cares about that, like, she plans to die. Yeah. Every time the show, like, dips into the super melancholy tone, I think it, like, does so well with it. It is so easy to be, like, swept away on, like, the big emotions of this show, whether it is, like, rooting for mine's little successes or being like, oh, shit, this is bad. She's, like, you know... How's she going to get out of this one? Like, it, it never really feels cheap when it's, like, putting the, like, very real, like, threat of death in front of mine. Because it's not just, like, oh, shit, here's, like, an immediately dangerous situation to her. It is, like, the thing that has this whole, like, backing of, like, these societal systems that she has to, like, work past. That, um, you know, like, makes it seem, like, very daunting and, like, scary and sad. Totally. And so, like, mine basically just, like, makes preparations to die. Yeah, right. She's, she's like, doing as much as she can to, like, make sure that, like... You know, Lutz can keep, like, making money off of the paper. She, you know, making sure that, like, her... The, the people in her life are getting, like, cut in on some extent of that. Like, making sure that they'll, like, have... They'll be able to, like, benefit from the fact that she was there in some way. And, like, just sort of, uh... Like, like trying to get the people in her life to accept that she'll be gone. Yeah. Until it's time for her baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets all dressed up. Right? And because of her, like, money and her connections, she, like... She has, like, a pretty good thing going. Yeah, like, she looks like one of the fanciest girls at, at her baptism, you know? Yeah, totally. And so, like, he goes there, and then is immediately caught off guard by a lot of the, like, ceremony mm-hmm. being, um, a little bit goofy. Uh-huh. To, uh, to someone who grew up in Japan. Right, like, it, really, like kind of going in there expecting it to be, like, this very, like, solemn, sort of, like, you know, s- still respectful thing, and it, it turns out the actual, like process of worship is like doing these like big grand like poses uh-huh she like collapses basically from like trying to avoid laughing in the middle of like a, a circumstance where she's like pretty sure, sure she shouldn't be laughing yeah uh wakes up in like a room she's like where she quickly realizes like oh this is the room where they put the rich kids because they think i'm a rich kid yeah <laughs> like wanders off on the road discovers that there's books in the church and like completely like immediately goes insane there's like a library with a force field and she's just like let me in let me in she's like oh shit actually if i could drop everything i'm not gonna die i'm gonna go become an apprentice priestess because they got books here mm-hmm. i don't know i could just go somewhere they have books <laughs> she like goes to a meeting with like the fucking high priest like the high bishop or whatever right yeah like before she like leaves the church during her baptism which is like hey i want to be a priestess so i can like see these books i'm gonna like donate a lot of money if you let me do this, and like the Archbishop is like completely taken back by this because we later learn she is offering to pay like like probably more like more money than her family makes in like a year for a job that nobody wants. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's so funny, like, how, uh, during this like there's all this like increasing somber like build up to like this moment is like you know mine gets this, like greater sense of like what it means to like exist in the community that she exists in and like care for the people in her life and like tries to like comes to terms with, like her like maybe limited time left in this world and she sees books and, like all of that just like it goes out of her head instantly <laughs> <laughs> this girl's so stupid she's so stupid it's, it's so wonderful. good right so like she goes home she talks to her parents about it her parents are pissed yeah they're like hey you know the the kids who go to work for the church are like orphans, either because you know, their parents died or their parents abandoned them, and they like need to do strenuous work for basically no pay, like more work than you can survive doing. This is like a fucking terrible idea. You need to like go back there and like get out of this because like it is basically just not going to do any of the things you want it to. Yeah, um, but they receive like a summoning mm-hmm. uh, where like the whole family has to go there and meet. Well, like, before that, right? Like, she, she, like, goes back to, like, try and turn them down again. Right. But then, like, reveals that she has magic. And they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> right. Because we learned from there, as, as, like, the show, like, continues doing this, like, really great thing that it does, where it's, like, gradually unveiling the actual, like, state of the world. We learn, like, oh, there was, like, a coup in, like, the capital recently. And so, like, a lot of nobles died. And so a lot of the nobles that were, like, stationed in the church got pulled back to their families, even though, like, they were kind of the cast-offs from their families previously. So now the church is, like, in desperate need of, like, people who have mana to, like, supply their shit. So, like, actually, it's, it's very important that you give us your daughter now as so they, like, send a summons to their family. Like, like, going into these, like, final episodes, we get this setup for what seems like it's going to be, like, this culmination of, like, all of the things that, like, mine's learned, right? Like, Benno's, like, coaching her on how to, like, negotiate it to get stuff in her favor like all of the, like use all the leverage you can get you know make sure you can like keep having like contact with the people you care about make sure you can keep making me money yeah like, like we, we get all of this stuff for like oh shit like there's going to be this big like payoff for like everything mine's learned she's going to like bring all of her negotiation tactics to the table and she's going to bring everything she's like learned from the people in her life to the table and she's going to like make this happen it seems like it's going to be like this really great payoff for like everything she's learned uh-huh and then she like goes into the meeting with the archbishop and the archbishop sees how poor her family is and he's just like oh i don't need to fucking humor you at all i'm gonna take your fucking daughter now (laughs) (laughs) it is amazing how much like as the show has been like gradually building up this understanding like yeah here's like the difference between like the the laborer class and the merchant class and like you you go up to like one step higher like okay we're gonna meet like a guy who is like in the noble class and he is like like, like, it's just, like, an order of magnitude shittier than, like, any of the merchants we meet. Yeah. Yeah, so he's just like, oh, I don't have to humor you at all. Give me your fucking daughter. daughter. And Gunther, mine's dad, is just like, no, and then beats up a bunch of dudes. It's so cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, we didn't actually talk about, like, mine's family much, right? Right. Um, but, like, I, I like them. You know, I, I, I think they wind up, like, being a little less individually characterized than a lot of uh, like the the other characters we touched on right um because often they wind up kind of being like here's the unit of like mine's supportive family and they each have their like things that they do right mm-hmm. as part of that like uh gunther is like he's like a super doting dad who like is like very uh you, you know very adamant about like, like letting everybody know how much it, like he loves his daughters and like kind of susceptible to like feeling bad if his daughters are like not uh not, not like, returning that level of intensity, which, like, is a bit that can be kind of grating at sometimes, but, like, I feel like he really pulls through in this moment by, like, immediately, like, potentially just throwing his life away to start beating the shit out of these guards. Yeah, so good. Right, and so, like, he... Like, obviously, this is a this is a fight he loses, right? It's, like... 
Yeah, like he, like, he takes the guys to the room, and then the bishop's like, there's, like, so many more fucking guys in this temple. Yeah. Right, and, like, the bishops start talking about how he's just gonna have her family fucking executed for, like, opposing him and shit. And mine goes off. Yeah, mine goes fucking psycho mode. Like, because there's all these times, like, throughout the show where, like, you know, when the kids in the forest, like, stomp on her clay tablets, or, like, when her mom, like, burns her, uh, her, like, wooden tablets that she's trying to make, where it seems like... It seems like she's on the verge of going psycho, but never, like, goes anywhere. She just kind of, like, collapses. Yeah. But this time she's just like, okay, I'm gonna, like, walk towards this guy and, like, threaten him and, like, maybe his heart is going to explode from me being here. <laughs> Which is awesome. Yeah, it fucking rules. The, the show has, like, up to this point been so cautious about, like, giving mine the ability to, on her own, just, like, immediately disrupt a situation, right? Like, she always has, like, needed to rely on, like, other people and, like... You know, like, it's never positioned her as a person who is, like, because of what she knows better than everybody else, it's never positioned her as a person who can just, like, on her own fucking pull herself up by her bootstraps, like, through society. Mm-hmm. And so, like, kind of turning it on, on its head in, like, this last one, we're like, okay, here's the guy who just fucking sucks. <laughs> and so, like, am I just gonna go ape shit and, uh, I must kill a man. Yeah. It's great. Like, it's, it's, uh, the, the amount of restraint that the show shows up to this moment, like, really makes this, like, land in a way that, like... It would land less well if it was a show that was about mine having, like, a much more uh, unrestrained freedom to, like, make an impact on the world. Mm-hmm. And so, like, mine, mine goes sicko mode. She, like, almost kills this guy to the point where, like, everybody's fucking begging her to calm down. She's just like, why? Why would I be calm right now? Like, make the situation better or this man dies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, and so she goes home with everything she wanted from that encounter. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. Uh, she just gets a win. Yeah, it's beautiful. She, she just gets a win. It's so good. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's kind of like running through the show, right? Like that's uh Yeah, I mean, that's that's basically the whole thing. Do we do we want to like uh do want to do our our wrap up on this on this episode then? Are we good for that? Uh, yeah, I think I think we can. Okay. Right. So, coolest guy. Coolest guy. What's your thoughts on this? I, like, was pretty, like, set in my head who the coolest guy was, like, fairly early on in the show. Mm-hmm. But, like, I want to hear your thoughts. I don't know if it's recency bias, but I want to say Gunther. Really? Okay. Because in, in my mind, it's fucking Benno. I fucking love Benno. I love that dude. Yeah, like, okay, okay. I, I love Benno so much. Like, Benno is, like, ben, Benno is, like, a hugely, like, fun character. I love Benno so much. But, like... Uh-huh. But he's not, like, fucking throwing down. He, yeah, but, like, Benno's not throwing down. Gun, Gun, Gunther is beating up a room full of guards because someone threatened to take his daughter away. Right, but Benno's, like, kind of my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I understand. I understand. Like, I totally get it. But, like, boyfriend isn't coolest guy. Uh, I guess so. Uh... Right, because... Number number two in my heart is also recency bias, but it's mine. Okay, <laughs> it's, it's mine, but only from when she went sicko mode. Okay, right. Hmm. Right. That's that's what coolest guy is. Right, cool, coolest guy is like just having like a, a doing some people like oh shit, this is the coolest thing anybody does in this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, g- g- given those criteria, I, I I guess maybe like mine sicko mode. Is where I'm feeling, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I, I'm willing to go with mine. I'm going to write it down. Because, like, G- Gunther has, like, enough bits in the show where I'm like, okay, man, I get that you love your daughters, but, like, calm down a little bit. Like, the, the, the jealousy thing is, like, a little overplayed. It's not cute. Yeah. 
but it, like the it, like the the minute of the show reminded of sicko mode. It's it's just all fucking killer. Yeah. Okay. Mine. Sicko mode. Coolest guy. Coolest guy. Okay. All right. So now I guess we're gonna we're gonna like evaluate the show on its merits. Uh, we're gonna come come to like a very uh, finely calculated uh, ranking and score of the show. Yep. So, uh, story. Story. Uh, pretty pretty high. Way higher than Sword Art Online. Way higher than Sword Art Online. I think that like. I, I, I like a lot of the story stuff. I, I really like the way that the show gradually builds up, uh, and builds its world, and like you know, kind of like it, it is very willing to like play coy about like the scope of itself. Um, I think there's like some really great like drama space throughout it, but I also think it's like a little, um, it, it's a little unfocused. Like in in the back of the first light novel, there's like an afterword from the author where she talks about being kind of surprised that it was a hit because it felt to her very much like she was just like writing about like all of the shit that she wanted to write about and then just putting it in a book, and like. I think that is in some ways a strength of the work. Like, I, I think it feels, like, indulgent in that way in a way I can get behind. But I, I do think it also means that, like, the, the pacing of it kind of, like, falters a little bit. Yeah. Like, like there are times where it just kind of, like, gets a little bit in the reason. Like, here's, like, a half an episode where they spend making paper. And, like, it's not really, like, gripping unless you're, like, a person who cares about, like, the particulars of, like, making paper or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I really like it. I definitely, like, want to rate it high. I'm thinking, like, an 8, maybe? How do, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I was going to say seven or eight. Seven or eight. Eight works fine. Okay. All right. Yeah, all right. Let's let's lock in eight. Characters. I think this is probably going to be the show's highest score. I love basically everybody in here. Yeah. Right? Like, I've talked at length about Benno. Mine's great. Liz is great. Frida's great. It's just a collection of characters that, like, I really enjoy spending time with. I would agree. Yeah. Like, like how high do I go on this, right? Like, because I can go, like, nine or ten, right? Yeah, I was thinking, like, nine or ten. My, my hang-up is, like... Do we want to, like, establish a 10 so early? Right, like, that. that's kind of the thing, right? I feel like we've seen so few shows that, like, putting something at a 10 feels like we're, like, setting the ceiling kind of early. Yeah. But also, like, you know, I really like everybody in this show. So, like, maybe there's more seasons of the show, right? So, like, you know, if, if we watch a bunch of other things in between it and we decide that, like, you know, actually this, this is, like, basically where our line for 10 is, then we can, like, give those later seasons a 10, right? Yeah, okay. So let, let, let's, go, let's go 9. Let's go 9. All right, graphics. Graphics. Okay. Um, th- this is like kind of a tough one, right? Because I think that like the character designs are like generally very appealing. I really like the like cutesy chibi interludes that it does all the time. Um, yeah. I think occasionally it leans into like a great sense of style, but like the production is also like very modest in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not a lot of like super flashy stuff, and like that's fine, right? Like it doesn't really doesn't really need it like this is a show that like i mean you you, you could make this show and like go all out in, like the depiction of the small moments but like it doesn't really you know need it at the same time like it... yeah and like we talked about like the gradient effect on the hair when it's supposed to be clean and like the uh like the glowy like rainbow eye stuff like doesn't look really good yeah right like it is a show that is um i, I don't think it's necessarily really like failing to do what it's trying to do but it also doesn't seem like it's like landing like greater heights right yeah like, like, like if comparing it to like the only other show we've watched for this podcast so far, um, I think that like on a base level it looks better than Sword Art Online, mm-hmm. but like its peaks are lower. Um, the the other thing I want to talk about the visuals of the show uh, is that like I think the background work kind of like fails it in a lot of places. Like you you can just kind of see all like the very like neat digital seams on the way it's assembled, and like it just sort of fails to give any sense of like how like a lot of these places are sort of be, supposed to be sort of dirty and run down because like all of the lines are like just so like neat and orderly in them yeah that's kind of a bummer so i'm trying to think i'm trying to figure like what we want to give this 
I'm thinking like a five or a six. It feels like mean to give like th- this show like a lower than sort of line anything, but we kind of have to at some point. So like you know may- maybe like a five or a six. Like f- like five seems so like five feels a little low to me too. Right? Five, five feels low because like again like I I like the character designs. I think that like you know if, if I'm just looking at the art of the characters, like sometimes it's a little wonky, but for the most part, it's like yeah, these are like this is like an appealing set of characters that are like immediately readable and recognizable, and like you know generally like fairly expressive when they need to be. Yeah. Did you just want to like call it at six then? Yeah, okay, that can be a six. Okay, let's call it at six. Okay. This is gonna be rough. This is this is so rough. You're you're the swords correspondent. What are, what are you feeling on this one? The swords in this one were few and far between. I'll tell you that much. Who even has a sword in this? Some of the guards at the end had a sword on their hip. Okay. That's not that's not gonna get him any points. That's not that's not gonna get that's that, that's no points. Um, so I do want to talk a little bit about the blades in this show. Okay, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of knives and shit, right? Yeah, knives. Like mine, mine gets her own knife. It's like a cool little like dagger. I think that's nice. I would like that knife. This this is like very much like a, a knives is like a practical tool kind of show in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Which I imagine you're you're like probably a little into. Yeah, totally. Lutz has like a really good like. Uh, flat tipped like broad like choppy choppy like machete thing and i think that's pretty cool so uh i'm willing to give this like a two okay yeah i i think that's i think that's generous but fair you know all right okay so like i feel like the biggest deliberation we need to do for elves is like if the lowest thing we can give it is a one or a zero right because there's no Mm -hmm. fucking elves in this show there's just no elves in this one there's just not a single elf to be seen so, like, again, the discussion is really just entirely, is the lowest a one or a zero? Yeah, that is the game we're playing. Um, let's think. Which is maybe something about a rating system we should have decided before we recorded this episode, or, like, before we recorded any episodes, but, like, it's fine. Right, yeah, it's fine. It's science, it doesn't need to be exact. Wonderfully put, I think we should have the lowest number possible be, I think it's just gotta be a zero. Okay, alright, yeah. That's good. that's gonna be hard, harsh on like the averaging it out, but like, yeah, I mean, we we gotta be gotta be true to the system. All right, that brings us to an average of six point two five. Okay, so hey, still still batting above Sword Art Online, like pretty comfortably, even with even with the, like the low swords and elves rating. Yeah, I, uh, it, it gained a lot of points in characters and story. Um, and like didn't lose any in graphics, so that like kind of kind of like, that rough score in those last two categories. Still like, still like even it out and like get it get it ahead of the. Ahead of the competition so far. What, what's our grade for this one? Oh, I'm stupid. I did it wrong. Oh, shit. The average is five. Okay, the average is five. Still still a little better than Sword Art Online. Yep. Could be worse. Could be way worse. Yeah. All right. All right, so what, what letter grade are we giving this? I want to give it an A. I, I could go for giving it an A. I had a great time. <laughs> Capital A, please. There we go. There we go. All right, and I think that goes on top of the list, then, right? I mean, yeah, I mean that's number one for sure. That's just how the, that's just how it works. Yep. Uh, all right. Yeah, I'll 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 get that all sorted out, and uh, I think that's the podcast. I think that's the podcast. Thanks for coming along with us for this one. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Thank you. Um. So if you're listening to this, we should have a poll up on the Patreon for the next episode for the August 2022. Uh, episode of Narukai Uzumaki. So be sure to go and, you know, vote 
for, for this last poll, we tried to put like we basically just tried to put shows that we like knew we would like on there. Mm-hmm. And like this time, we're gonna be try try to be casting like a little wider net, which isn't to say we're just gonna put bad shows on there next month. But like you know, we're not gonna like avoid putting some garbage on there either. Yeah, no, I I already have my picks set up. Uh, I, I I don't think Ruby has. I'll probably have them like figured out pretty soon, and we can have that up on the po- on the on the Patreon, like maybe even before this episode goes up. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? But uh, thanks. Hey. I mean, like, what else do we need to plug? If they're like listening to this, they're giving us money, right? Yeah. If 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 you're listening to this, you're you're giving us money already. Hey, tell your friends to give us money too. <laughs> the the only way we're gonna grow is peer pressure. Also, follow me on Twitch. Yeah, follow me on Twitch. It's a it's a great time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure all of our current patrons already like attend my Twitch. So, hey, if you're in the future. If you're in the future, if you're listening to this, if you're like, hey, I love listening to these podcasts, what if there were streams where I could sometimes see one or both the people on this podcast talking about shit? Yeah. Maybe maybe drawing smart, maybe playing some games at some point in the future? Mm-hmm. Where can you, where can you find that, Gwen? Uh, Twitch.tv slash ReziArt. R-E-Z-I-A-R-T, all one word, ReziArt. Well, hey, thanks for listening, as always, uh, you know. We'll see you next month for one of these, and you know we will continue uploading our uh, our regular Conan Crush episodes as as regular scheduled. You know this this one is not going to like interfere with that schedule, unlike the first one. So like look forward to more of those coming out as well. Yep. And again, th- thank you so much for your support. All right, thanks guys. Later. Later. <laughs>